Welcome back to the Beer Truth Podcast. I'm Tom, and today we're going to talk about dry hopping. You probably figured that out by the title of the episode, but, you know, like I said before, I'm here to point out the obvious. So let's talk about dry hopping. I just finished the letter C in Oxford Companion to Beer. I'm just reading straight through it, and for being some pretty dry subjects, it's quite interesting to just read straight through it. Um, it does take fucking forever because it's a very uh, in-depth, I mean, it's basically an encyclopedia of beer, but um, Scott came to the letter D. I don't know if that's what brought me to dry hopping, but uh, it's a topic I've been thinking about doing an episode on. So last night I just sat down with my phone on CNN off to the side on quiet and started writing about dry hopping. So uh, it seems like breweries can't sell an IPA these days if it's not dry hopped or double dry hopped or triple dry hopped or I am not kidding quadruple dry hopped uh, I have seen that and to me it seems uh, a bit beyond a bit excessive but again that's my opinion so you know I guess that's what you signed up for when you listen to the show is my opinion I do love dry hopping I love dry hop beers I love dry hopped IPAs uh, I just don't think it has to be every beer and every style but um, you know, here we are. So we got Italian Pilsners kind of somewhat taking over the lager world, which a lot of people think Italian Pilsner is just a dry hop Pilsner. Uh, there is a little more that goes into that, but, um, Italian style Pilsner is kind of a buzzword. So, uh, breweries are kind of dumb to not do that if they can sell it, if that's one of their beers, um, you know, 16 bucks a four pack. Thank you very much. Pivo Pills from Firestone Walker is a fantastic beer. Uh, I can never find it fresh enough, but uh, that's a great example of the style. And that's coming from a guy who overwhelmingly does not like hoppy lagers. I'm always, almost always disappointed with hoppy lagers. So when I see a lager that's dry hopped with Mosaic or Citra or whatever galaxy hopped lager I, I just i'm not interested uh, i had a nelson pilsner that i thought i was gonna like wasn't such a big fan while i wrote this last night i actually was drinking a firestone walker lager um, i believe they call that one a hellas lager just firestone walker lager but um firestone walker is an outstanding exemplar of beer made well um i don't think the lager is dry hopped um, but anything using hops from Firestone Walker, Matt Brennelton is a hop genius and has been known as such for probably close to 20 years. So it's hard to go wrong there. Um, you got dry hopped IPAs, dry hopped lagers. There's no reason you can't dry hop any style. Uh, that doesn't mean you should, but you know, there's dry hopped fruited sours, um, I'm sure there's dry hop stouts and barley wines and probably anything you can imagine. But, you know, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Doesn't mean people don't. Uh, like always, if you want to do some more reading, I would highly suggest Oxford Companion to Beer, uh, the Beer Bible. There's, you know, plenty of things out there you can read if you want to get more in-depth um, on dry hopping. But 
what is dry hopping? Dry hopping is the act of adding hops to a beer after after the initial fermentation is finished. Uh, so it's pretty widely viewed as one of the best ways to showcase hops because you're going to get those aromas uh, more expressed through dry hopping than through using those hops earlier in the process, like during the boil um, or or uh, mash hopping. Those are not going to show those hop aromas uh, through to the finished product. So, like I said, I love a good dry hopped IPA. Fresh hop beers are an excellent way to uh, dry hop a beer and get a pure expression uh, or a more pure expression of those hop oils, uh, the, those volatile aromatics. But generally here in the Northern Hemisphere, you're only going to get those uh, fresh hop beers in August, September. After that, you're really not going to get fresh hop or wet hop beers. The Southern Hemisphere obviously has a different schedule because of the seasons being different. Um, you know, science is a real thing. I believe the hop harvest in the Southern Hemisphere is generally April. Um, I should probably know that better, but I could be wrong. Um, I know we have some listeners in the Southern Hemisphere, so feel free to correct me on that one. Uh, anyway, we're not talking about fresh hops or hop harvest. We're talking about dry hopping. Uh, again, it's the addition of hops uh, after primary fermentation. So one reason, probably the biggest reason that dry hopping is utilized is, like I said, the aromas of hops are very volatile. And when exposed to too much heat, those oils will isomerize and essentially be driven off the beer. Um, in some cases, that's a good thing to drive off uh, aromas like uh, DMS, but those are things you don't want in the end product for most if not almost all styles, the hop expressions you do want. So the earlier hops are added in the boil, like I said, the less those aromas are going to survive through to the consumer enjoying that beer. So during fermentation, the fermenting beer will chemically change, and that's also a more minor source of aroma loss. Uh, but dry hopping is also partially responsible for some bitterness, uh, some perceived bitterness, in the finished product, I don't think that affects IBUs. So you can have a dry hop beer with low IBUs that can still be perceptibly and possibly very bitter. IBUs is not a perfect formula. It's not the perfect way to assess bitterness in a beer. Um, most people don't even use IBUs anymore after the IBU wars of like late 2000s, early, probably early 2010s. If you're just looking for a beer with high IBUs, you might not get exactly what you're looking for. And there might be stuff out there that you would enjoy with bitterness that you're not going to see with high IBUs. So keep your mind a little open on that one. But the bitterness from dry hopping, that has been proven by studies and by testing. So if someone tells you that dry hopping doesn't do anything but add aroma, that is not correct. Uh, we can also get into biotransformation with the uh, chemical changes that go on with dry hopping, uh, with post-primary fermentation hopping. Um, 
biotransformation is a big thing these days and we've seen you know exploding cans that nowadays i think are more associated with continually fermenting fruit puree in your can uh not necessarily from biotransformation and restarting fermentation because of the hops and the effect that that has but again i'm not a hop scientist um, I'm just a hop lover, so uh, I can't go too far down that road. So dry hopping, as I said, post-primary fermentation, uh, which means that it is a cold side process. Uh, it's after the boil, after wort has been chilled, and there are different forms of hops that are used for dry hopping. So, um, you know, in basically any stage of... Uh, brewing of the brewing process there are different uh, forms of hops that are used so yeah obviously as it comes off the vine you have the whole cone you have what most people use hop pellets uh, you have cryo powder you have cryo pellets uh, these are just different forms of using hops and trying to be more efficient less wasteful uh, end up with more finished beer and lose less beer to the process, to vegetal material, um, to filtration, all that. Uh, you know, the more beer you can end up with for the same amount of work, obviously the more money you're going to make as a brewer, the more viable that's going to be. So that one's a pretty simple idea in my mind. So different hops are, are different forms of hops. Also the contact time, uh, needed with the hops and beer so dry hopping um in the oxford companion to beer uh the section mentions that basically you don't want to dry hop for longer than a week um or you're going to start getting those vegetal flavors um that you really those are not what you want to get out of the hops so uh contact time is another thing that comes into play you can use whole cone uh to dry hop which is more seen traditionally with cask beers um, that would help bring back some of that aroma that might be changing in the cask or being uh, not expressed fully. And then it's also easier to filter out whole cones. So uh, that was a traditional cask thing. Um, but you do have other ways because that's not as efficient with whole cones because the lupulin glands of the hops flower uh, of the cone are not broken as they are in pellets, uh, cryo, those kind of things. So the lupulin powder is what you're looking for, um, which when those glands are not broken, they're not going to be as efficient in suffusing the beer with what you're looking for. So uh, you can use whole cones. It's just not as effective. Hops are most often used in pellet form, which pretty well dissolves into the beer. And... Overall, you're putting less vegetable vegetal material into the beer, which, again, means less beer loss to that material when you filter it out later. And uh, it's more efficient. You can do it in a quicker time. Like I said, the lupulin glands are broken. That makes it easier to get what aromas, what hop oils you want into the beer. There's also cryo hops. You've probably seen cryo hops. And it's, I've had some cryo hop beers, not the biggest fan, 
it's been a while. Some that I've had have been actually pretty grassy and pretty vegetal. Uh, but I don't know. It's been a while. Maybe I'll give them a shot. But cryo hops are yet another improvisation in uh, the craft brewing world. Um, they're also expensive, and but they're also sexy to the consumer. So I don't know. Maybe I'll give them another shot. But there's different ways to get hops into beer. And uh, ranges from mash hopping, literally using hops in the mash before the boil. Um, that is a thing that I think people are kind of rediscovering and playing with. And who knows, maybe that will become the next big uh, next big trend in hopping uh, techniques or schedule. But um, yeah, first word hopping, which is going into the boil kettle uh, before the boil. Um, you have whirlpool hopping. Uh, which I think you hear a lot more of. There's good old-fashioned hopping in the boil, that regular hop schedule in the boil. At the start of the boil, uh, you know, if you're doing an hour boil, uh, you know, home brewing, you might see 60-minute, 45-minute, 30-minute, 10-minute, uh, 5-minute knockout, all those kind of things. Uh, those are much more traditional um, than something like first wort, or, uh, excuse me, those are more traditional than something like mash hopping. Um, but, you know, brewers are innovative people. They're trying to find new ways to express their beer, express the hops, and, you know, provide something new and different and interesting to the consumer. So you have knockout hopping. Um, so beer gets transferred from the boil kettle or whirlpool slash kettle, whatever vessel, um, probably going to go through a heat exchanger to lower the temperature as it's on its way to a fermenting vessel. So you want a temperature low enough that yeast can be pitched pretty quickly because you want that yeast to get in there and start taking over. You don't want anything else to get in there and start souring your beer if you don't want it that way. Uh, you want your yeast to start taking over. So once the beer is in the fermenting vessel, that's traditionally what we think of as dry hopping is... Um, after that primary fermentation, then, which can take, you know, a few days, a week, a couple weeks, two days, depends on the beer style, depends on the yeast, the temperature, a lot of different things. So after that primary fermentation, that's when we think of as dry hopping. You know, you can dry hop, you can double dry hop, uh, you can triple dry hop. It, I think there's eventually you hit a point of uh, diminishing returns. I'm probably not that interested in a beer that's triple dry hopped because it's going to probably fatigue your palate real quick. And it's probably not necessary to triple dry hop your beer. Uh, you can dry hop it and get a pretty effective measure of what you're trying to express. To me, at a point, there's a point of uh, diminishing returns on that. So the best way to find out for you, if you like dry hop beers, triple dry hop, double dry hop, which hops you like dry hopped with, the uh, best way to find out is go taste a beer. You know, go try it. Uh, try some different stuff. See what you like, see what you don't like. You might be surprised both ways. 
who knows? Maybe uh, 2021 we'll see literally dry hopping your beer as you're drinking it. Uh, you know, maybe your pint will come with an extra hop pellet and you can choose which beer you want. Uh, if you remember my episode with Surf Ridge, uh, they have a hop uh, basically dispensary behind the bar, which you can't drink there at the moment, but that's coming back. Um, but you can, you know, pick, I think they have six or eight different hops and drop it in your beer and see what it does to your beer in the purest expression of dry hopping, literally the pint in front of your face. So maybe that'll catch on. Maybe that'll become more of a thing, uh, as people try to find new expressions for their beers. Um, you know, I don't know. Uh, I think that's it for this episode. I hope it, I hope it's been, uh, enjoyable. Um, not too long. Hope you stuck with me through my political rant that I just felt I would be remiss if I didn't address what's going on in the country because of the nature of what's happening right now. Uh, craft beer community is pretty, uh, conscious and aware of the injustices in this country uh, faced by people of color and the craft beer industry is pretty white so uh, keep that in mind Um, I think it's definitely trending the right direction you got things like people working towards diversity in craft beer towards more inclusion Um, the MJF foundation or Michael Michael James Jackson foundation uh, for brewing and distilling that's started by Garrett Oliver. That's definitely worth checking into. Um, they provide scholarships for brewing and distilling, uh, for people of color. Uh, they also make connections. If you're not looking for, you know, a scholarship to go to school for these things, uh, they also just make connections. So that's a great resource to reach out to. Um, you got places like crafted for all with Jane Nicole Beckham, um, beer diversity up in Canada, uh, there's a lot of different places and people that are helping shepherd this community towards more inclusiveness, and I think that's worth pointing out. Uh, so on that side of things, I feel like it's worth addressing what's going on in our country. Um, and if you're outside the country of America, you're probably looking on in horror at what's happening right now, but... Uh, we'll see. Like I said, hope you enjoyed the episode on dry hopping. Uh, if you don't like the political stuff, that's not really why I signed up for this either. Uh, but again, I feel like I need to mention those things. Um, and if you're one of those people who is down with storming the Capitol, then frankly, you can go fuck yourself. So next week, uh, hopefully be another interview. Um, at this point, I can't tell you who that will be, not because I don't want to, but because I don't know uh got a lot of things in the works for the next month or two a lot of those things are yet to settle out so we'll see where we end up with that uh hopefully i can get another interview up by next week i know the interview episodes do better Uh, i know that those are more engaging than just hearing me talk hope you enjoyed the episode and uh till next week um stay tuned don't forget to subscribe Uh, Please rate the show, obviously five stars, since obviously this is the best podcast you've ever listened to. And better yet, tell a friend. That would be the best way to help grow the show. Uh, Be kind, wear your mask, 
Don't storm the Capitol like a fucking idiot anarchist. And till the next round, sláinte.